0: This is Higher Ground from WSHU Public Radio. I'm J.D. Allen.
1: And I'm Sabrina Garone.
0: I feel like it's been a whirlwind following our student scientists these past few months. Now that we're at the end, what surprised you?
1: It definitely has. It went by super quick because we were having a lot of fun while doing it. But um, uh, what surprised me the most was the in, uh, the topics that they were interested in because I feel like things that I was interested in at 13 just, like, don't even come close. Um, I, I was expecting them to kind of talk about, like, you know, animals and the environment because that's where my mind was yeah, as an you're, eighth grader. Yeah, you're a bird nerd. Yes, it's it's me. It's a personality trait. Yeah, just um, especially the girls who were interested in fast fashion and where that comes from and um, some of the tape we have from Taya just like on her own with the microphone and the things that she was saying. I'm just so impressed with them and amazed that these are the things that they, that they think about and are concerned about.
0: I would have never thought... At 13, where the products that I buy online are coming from. No,
1: never gave it a thought.
0: I know. And every time they would sort of get close to animals, I was like, oh, great. Let's explore that. That that sounds fun. (laughs) There's a lot of sound that happens with animals. That should be great for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And they would have eight other ideas to make a left turn. And we would be talking about like acid rain.
1: Right. I was just so impressed that they had all this information and they were actually really like worried and concerned about it already before we even brought this up.
0: It turns out when we listen to young people, we can find innovative ways to adapt to changes in our environment.
1: Exploring solutions might give their home the best chance at survival and help save coastal places beyond their city where millions of people call home.
2: WSHU, the station you know, trust, and count on, is more relevant than ever. I'm WSHU and American Homefront Project reporter, Desiree DiOrio. Your support has enabled us to deliver what you need at a moment's notice, wherever you happen to be. We can tell stories that really matter, connecting facts and revealing the truths you need. Thank you for listening and supporting WSHU Public Radio. We're stronger together.
0: Drifting River, performed by Eden, the teenage daughter of one of our musicians on this show, Aria Elon. The mother-daughter duo said they were glad to be part of the podcast.
1: She says it's important to use your voice to speak about the environment and the climate crisis to everyone, especially young people.
0: Well, we spent the last few months with a bunch of middle school science students in Connecticut's largest city. The goal was to listen to the ideas of young people in the face of climate change.
1: There was one key question we asked of everyone we met along the journey together, like Long Island Soundkeeper Bill Lucy.
0: Why is it important to engage with young people in environmental issues?
3: Because they're the next generation and we, our parents didn't do a great job of handing off the planet to us. One of the biggest sewage treatment plants in the state is about 150 feet over that way. Discharges right into this harbor that doesn't flush very well from the ocean. So all of that stuff is built up in this harbor over time. Um, So the kids are the ones that are going to have to deal with the ramifications of climate change, poor water quality, uh, fisheries that aren't as abundant, um, heat, air pollution. So, if we can get them on the path of thinking that way early on, they will surpass us as problem solvers when they're my age. And in turn, when they are Returning the favor to the next generation that generation will get another boost and be ahead leaps and bounds So all those kids all of a sudden are going to be thinking about stormwater stormwater pollution Maybe a career in environmental uh, engineering in the future, so I mean it's organic you go into a community and You just got to take the time live by example get out there make sure the kids are able to partake in this experience and then they take away what they want and it just spreads on its own and I think the nice thing about those what you're telling me about those kids and you know what I hear from my first mate Jeanette is that they're not whining they're looking at problem solving
0: Jeanette Awal, the high school student intern, who's just a little bit older than our middle school scientists we've been working with.
3: And
1: Ellie Goetz, a postdoc at Yale, a bit older than Jeanette. It's just helped me so much
4: um, throughout high school even, like, and it's led me to here kind of learning about probably what I want to do in the future in college and stuff like that. And so I think it's just, it's great to what it has led me to. I mean, I'm less
2: involved in the policy side of things, so I can only contribute with with the science. But I think a lot of like what's important is to report on what's going on and and just like Bill was saying, let people know the water quality in their area, what's going on in their actual town. If we're if we're not if we're not
0: monitoring, <laughs> if we're not watching, then yeah. who is? Right. And so the, the work of a, of a scientist here is to do that kind of monitoring.
1: And when we brought the ideas of our student scientists to environmentalist Kat Morris and other Bridgeport policymakers, they said these perspectives could lead us into the future, helping to save the environment of their city.
4: Yeah, that's big brain energy. What strikes me is that, like, I think youth-led initiatives are so underrated, underappreciated, and ignored we're adapted to live on this earth. We have everything we need. We've evolved to have everything we need for quite a while now, right? So it does make sense to think, to follow that line of thought that like, hey, there are probably solutions here that we haven't figured out for a number of reasons we're out of touch with our natural environment. We don't prioritize ecology.
1: These student scientists became in touch with the ecology of their city because they were given space to explore during this after school program.
4: I feel like I didn't learn ecology until my senior year of high school. Um, We don't uh, think about solutions that are good for nature and people. We think about solutions that are good for like someone's bottom line, right? Someone's bank account. And so The opportunity is
0: there. So what we've done with these students is that we've asked them and we've tried to give them the space to kind of discover climate change for themselves Mm -hmm. in their own neighborhoods.
4: Yeah. Like I was having these thoughts and feelings for so long before I could figure out how to communicate them, before I could figure out how I wanted to do something with them. And what allowed me was the time to... Just sit down with my thoughts and actually think they're valid. I think that's also something that you give the kids that I think is really important and to like log. And I want to note and appreciate that when you give people a space to be curious, when you give people the time to connect with others and have intellectual exchange, you're allowing the capacity of their minds to grow. But you're also then expanding what they can make out of their life. I really enjoy talking to you.
0: Yeah, me too. The way that we're going to... I'm going to just shut this off real quick. Okay.
4: Unless you, you have something you want to say to the kids? Oh my god. Keep exploring what it means for you to be tapped into life. Keep exploring what feels good. Learn how to trust your intuition more than you trust what other people say to you that will serve you for the rest of your life. And learn how to trust your intuition in a way that is like that deep inner voice, but also learn how to trust yourself and so you know what your body is doing when it tells you to move towards something or move away from something. Regardless of what other people are telling you, that will make your life so much easier. I promise
0: So these teenagers knew a lot about climate change. And
2: they were worried.
0: Uh, what do you wonder about climate change?
2: Um, I wonder, like, even if we do all of this stuff, it would stop climate change and its negative effects.
1: So even if we do all these things, will it make a difference? Yes. Okay. All right. Big thing to wonder. <laughs>
0: It's a very big thing to wonder,
1: yeah. All right. Well, they did have a good teacher, Miss Michelle.
0: What did students think about climate change when we first got there?
1: A lot of their responses, like I remember on day one, you were asking them just to define climate change. What does climate change mean to you? And a lot of them were just like, why isn't anybody doing anything? You know, this should be up to world leaders. This should be up to the government. Like, this is crazy. And they were definitely really stressed out about it.
0: Is it too late or is it like like even if we do something now the effects right now they
4: linger
1: as the project went on it it went from less like panic to more like okay like we can we can put our heads together and do something you know even if it's just um planting an acorn in my backyard it went from panic and doomsday to like okay this situation is stressful but we can do something about it
0: they saw a future for themselves right we can do something right now and that could affect the future but you know you have the questions is it enough like compared to what we're doing right now because it's hard to like break something to make something so yeah it's, that's my big question
3: okay how long is it going to take to uh, like get rid of climate change because either it could like always be a part of it even if it's a small amount right or if it just grows too big and we're not going to be able to change it
0: that growth um definitely took some time um they on day one um were kind of skeptical i I think they thought it was cool that they were you know wearing the headsets and holding the microphones and cool we're going to make a podcast some of them knew what that was some of them didn't
2: oh say can you see i don't know how related okay. the crowd with the tomatoes at you <laughs> um
0: but then as they started to engage with you know the research that they do at the science center they were uh, more focused in you know finding primary sources and finding climate information that allowed them to move beyond the noise about climate change or what you and I talk a lot about, Sabrina, which is like, this is not a doomsday podcast.
2: Ooh, that's a pretty bird. Pretty bird. Feels like I'm talking to a parrot. Pretty bird, pretty bird.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> um, and so they were able to move past the doom and gloom and actually say, hi, hey, you know, there are some weird things that happen in this city. And I I think that the solutions might be pretty uh, obtainable. Miss Michelle
1: and the Science Center helped teens make sense of those weird things through their interest in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics in their after-school program.
2: It's definitely easier to solve than, I think, what we think, because most people will see climate change as this big problem that only rich people can solve or only scientists can solve when it's something you could do on your daily life to change just a little bit.
0: So like little bite-sized things that are right. manageable that you can do.
2: That would eventually add up if everyone started doing every day. So,
0: When you were researching, what type of things were you looking at so that way you knew that they were true? Like, how did you know that you what you were reading was
4: true? I would check different sources, and if the same thing would pop up, I would write it down.
0: Well, uh, the thing about the Internet, not everything on it is true. And if you just go by one
1: source, it could be misinformation. Somebody might have put something up there that they thought was true or misread or misheard, or um, they might have done it deliberately. And if you only go by that one source and everybody uses that one source, then despite any good intentions behind it, people can have different uh, or the wrong information from it.
4: Because if I wanted to take it further, I feel like I wouldn't want to say something that isn't true and somebody say, oh, that's not true. Where did you find your information from? Like I just did two minutes ago? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. It's fine.
2: Um, I'm just curious how it's going to be solved in the world because um, every year I see that's coming up more in the news how people are just starting to realize about it and how they did it before.
0: Do you, have you identified the why? Why do you think that is?
2: Um, lack of education in schools, probably lack of um, broadcasting about how extreme climate change is, and the lack of just telling people like what you could do to help other than like making it a trend, like the whole metal straw thing, like, that was a trick, but we could definitely do more than just that.
0: I wonder why people revere Greta Thunberg.
1: I should be back in school, on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you! there are probably many reasons.
0: But part of it must be the thrill of watching a teenager scorch global leadership for moving at a glacial pace to address a warming planet.
1: On a local level, how has listening to the ideas of young people inspired the journalism we do?
0: Yeah, I mean, so we, you know, through the process of this podcast, there was a lot of time uh, working with the students and exploring their perspectives. And therefore, we had a kind of Take their ideas and bring it to the people that are in charge, like policymakers and um, advocates and officials, and say, oh, So could these ideas work in real life? Um, because they saw the real life implications of climate change happening. What was really rewarding about this is that what the students were focused in was not uh, doomsday, mm-hmm. um, it was much more practical, uh, not uplifting, but practical. Um, when a lot of the stuff that we see online about climate change can be really draining.
1: Right. And I feel like a lot of the stuff I see about climate change on social media, it, it comes off kind of political as well. And even after doing this podcast for the last year or so, oh, you know, I work on a podcast about climate change. Like sometimes there are a few eye rolls, there are a few like eyebrow raises and mm-hmm, okay. Um, so that's really important to me in telling this story is like, these are the facts it, this isn't, like, pushing any kind of an agenda. Conversations about climate change don't have to be all doom and gloom. Like, um, talking to these kids, there are solutions out there. When we put the microphone in the hands of our student scientists...
2: Why isn't all of this information spread out to everyone else? Like, some kids now are getting information on climate change. Like, us, we get taught about climate change. We know about The damages that it will eventually do, but some grown ups now don't even know what climate change is or what they could do to help.
0: The point is these teenagers aren't childish. They didn't whine about how adults were responding to climate decisions that will affect their future.
1: Instead, these young people asked important questions. They took the skills they learned in school to research solutions for their neighborhoods.
0: I was surprised that they were so forward-thinking. All these teens want is to share their insight for the world they're going to inherit.
1: Imagine the lessons young people in your neighborhood have to contribute.
2: I'm a
0: Higher Ground is reported and produced by Sabrina Groen and me, J.D. Allen, with editing from Harriet Jones. Molly Ingram helped with the mixing. Samantha Simon, Melanie Famosa, and Megan Briggs did fact-checking and research. Ann Lopez is senior producer. Terry Sheridan is news director. Tom Coozer is program director. Graphic art is by our digital editor Joshua Joseph. Music for the show is composed by Samuel Davies and Aria Elon. Higher Ground is a production of WSHU Public Radio. The Discovery Science Center is operated by Sacred Heart University, which is also the licensee of WSHU. This podcast was made possible by the Joan Gantz Cooney Center and Sesame Workshop. And thank you so much to Miss Michelle and the students who participated in the podcast. Thank you for listening.